Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season four, we're talking all about inspirational travel stories. Let's get started. Welcome back, and I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest today, Ryan Crane. Ryan is a first-time author, explorer, and entrepreneur who was born and raised in Mustang, Oklahoma. His travels have been featured on CNN, the Boston Globe, NPR, and many more. Gravel Roads is his debut book, a memoir highlighting his adventures around the globe and the deeply personal decisions that led to them. Currently, Ryan is settled in a small Mexican beach town of Sayulita along the Pacific coast. When not writing, he can be found attempting to master the challenging sport of surfing or the Spanish language. So we have a fantastic conversation today and I just can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get into it. Before we dive in, This season's episodes will come to you uninterrupted and ad-free. I know that you'll be inspired by the stories you hear this season. And if you need help taking the leap yourself, I encourage you to check out the resources listed in the show notes or visit my website, www.travelshifters.com. Whether you are seeking a remote job, a career break, or pursuing a different travel possibility, there are resources and services for every budget, including free. If you have any questions, my DMs are always open at the Travel Shifters. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I've got another great interview episode today with my guest, Ryan. So Ryan, thanks for being here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself to everyone. Okay. Thank you for having me, Callie. My name is Ryan Crane. I am a writer, author, and explorer of our beautiful world. And I am currently based in Sayulita, Mexico, where I call my home. Yay. Okay. So before you lived in Mexico, tell, take us back. What were you doing? What brought you to Mexico? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's a long, potent story, but uh, we have time. We have a podcast. So yes. I was living or I was born and raised in Oklahoma City and just was going about the traditional life. I didn't know what else was out there. I didn't really care what else was out there. I just had this very American-centric lens that I was viewing through the world. And I just I thought we were the greatest country in the world. I thought everyone wanted to live here and just that very, you know, American-centric view. And I didn't even travel wasn't even really on my radar, to be honest with you. I had never left North America. I think I did like a cruise once. I think I did a, an all, couple all-inclusive resort stays in Mexico, you know, the, the standard American vacation. And then I was working at this corporate job and I actually enjoyed the job. I was just going down that traditional path, had the girlfriend, I was going to get married, probably one day have kids and I lose my job, this mass layoff in the oil industry, and I don't even know why or how it got implanted into my head. I was like, you know what? I have a severance. I have some time off. Why don't I go somewhere? And so for some reason, I just had this idea to backpack through Europe for a month. Couldn't tell you where it came from. I didn't know anyone who had done it. 
I had never done anything like it, but I, I did it. I executed on it. And my, my eyes just were wide open. I felt like I'd been living my entire life with a blindfold on and I was hooked. I just, I wanted to see more. I needed to see more. Just that dopamine high of landing in a new country was really potent for me. And I came back from that month long trip and just like, I've got to figure out how to do more of this. And so that's kind of the, the brief background of where I was, what I was doing, and just kind of how travel was uh, ignited within me. That is very interesting. And maybe you don't know, I, my background was in the oil field as well. Oh, and that's uh, sort of what prompted my travels as well. But sorry for another time. So how did you go about figuring out how to do more travel? Yeah, so... And I should say another big catalyst for me was actually during that first trip to Europe during that month, I was actually um, broken up with by my girlfriend over the phone. So she dumped me over the phone, which was a huge blindside. And so I was dealing with that. And then I came home, was kind of in this grief, depression type mindset. But I kept going back to that moment of like, wow, travel, that's where I felt the most alive. So I was like, you know what? If that's what I need to get through this breakup, I'm going to keep traveling. And so what I did was I actually ended up finding another job about five months later. I would just scour the internet for cheap flights to anywhere and everywhere I could find. And so I found that with my flexibility being open, if I was open to going anywhere at any time, I could find some really good deals. So, you know, versus if you're locked into that very specific destination at a very specific time, you're probably going to pay a higher price. And so I was finding some really good deals to off the beaten path destinations like Manila, Philippines, uh, Havana, Cuba, uh, Morocco, like these really out of the box places that not a lot of people visit. And that's kind of how I was, I was getting my travel. It scratched was because I was finding these cheap uh, deals. And then I was finding that going to these off the beaten path destinations, I, I was learning more about myself and the world than I initially bargained for. It was just opening my eyes to like my privilege and, and my American centric view and just how little I actually knew about the world. So, but that's how it started with just any deal I could find. I found it and it was, it wasn't to the popular places. It wasn't to the Paris's or the Italy's or the, you know, the all-inclusive resorts, it was to the lesser known places, but that I was finding that was actually changing me the most as a person. I love that so much. And I kind of want to backtrack because I think it's very interesting yeah. that you mentioned your American centric point of view. I think that's very common in the United States as like, we can, yeah, go America, whatever. <laughs> but when you started traveling, I think like you need to approach it with a certain mindset. So how was it for you? Did you go abroad being like, well, this will be cool. I can't wait to see things. But still, I think the United States is the greatest. Or were you like completely open? Let's see what this world has to offer. I'm willing mm. to take it all in. You know, that's a really good question. I think for me, it was very gradual. So that first trip abroad really opened my eyes. Yes, but I still... I still kind of had that American centric view and like I needed to squirrel away the 401k for retirement and work till I was 65. So I, it was very gradual. And then I would take another trip. I'm like, Oh, okay. Interesting. 
I met these people, had this experience. It really touched me this way. And then I would just slowly kind of break out of that bubble. I like to call it the American bubble. I was very slowly kind of breaking out of that bubble. And for me, it was very gradual. And I think the tipping point for me was when I went to Manila, the Philippines, I had never witnessed the type of abject poverty that I saw in Manila. It was gut-wrenching, heartbreaking. It, it's, it still has an impact on me to this day, almost 10 years later. Just I saw things that I didn't even know existed in this world. So that was when I just realized how sheltered I was how naive and ignorant I was and how I just needed to reframe my mindset and realize the things I'm worrying about are nothing compared on a global scale. So that was the breaking point for me. It was was gradual, gradual, gradual. And then when I went to Manila, I just burst out of that bubble. Wow. Okay. I think that's really interesting perspective to hear from you and the fact that it is gradual because you hear people say like travel changes you, but I think that can only be true if you're willing to be changed by it. Otherwise, if you're going in like in your American bubble and not willing to let it pop, you might not have seen or viewed things in the same way that you ultimately did. Yeah, you know, and I I think I looking back, I never knew if I was I don't think I was going into these destinations thinking, okay, I'm willing to be changed by it or I wasn't. I, I looking back, I obviously I was willing to be changed by it because that's what happened. But going into it, it was purely just, I want to explore, I want to see as much as I can. So I think I was kind of neutral on that. Like, I was kind of neutral just to whatever happens. And I think it's really interesting. And I I agree with that, like having traveled extensively at this point, initially, it was all about me, like, what can I see? What can I experience? Like, what can I get out of it? But now I see the other side of the coin, like, it's, not about me at all, <laughs> but I yeah. still like to experience. It was almost like, wh- what is it? How can I benefit from this externally is how it was in the beginning versus how am I changing internally? And so that was like the shift and it, it was slow for me and it was gradual. But then I was just like, wow, I need to see more, but I also need to learn more. Love it. So at what point did you make the decision? You had told me previously that you sold everything and started traveling. So what brought you to that point? And before, like, what took you so long to get to that point? <laughs> yes, I love this question. So initially, it was that bad breakup that kind of catalyzed me traveling and, and wanting to see more, needing to see more, learning about myself. And within that process, I found that next job and was going down that same path again. However, the travel bug had completely taken over my life. And I, I just had, uh, during one of these spontaneous trips I took to I, Southeast Asia, I met some long-term travelers. And they said, well, we're traveling long-term. We sold everything we owned. We have no idea when we're going home. And my little Midwestern mind is like, long-term travel? What's that? I genuinely had never heard of it before like seriously and so I came home I was just like wow this is a thing like there's this whole other community of people doing this long-term travel phenomenon can I do this so I started researching budgets length of time how are people making it work mentally physically financially so it took me from 
I'll tell you the final catalyst too. So as I was grappling with this decision, do I go see more? Do I quit the job? Do I not? The final shove, so to speak, was a close friend of mine passing away at 33 years old, the same age I was. At the time I was grappling with these decisions, he he passed away from a, a rare form of bone marrow cancer and just seeing his decline in real time was my wake up call. And, and one week after his funeral, I bought a one-way ticket. Two weeks after his funeral, I resigned from my job. And I think like two months after his funeral, I, I was gone. So it, it was a, about a two and a half year process between breakup and death of my friend, but it took me two and a half years to actually pull the plug. And it took the death of a friend to actually do it. So like, that's how scared I was. I was terrified of actually going to see the world selling everything. But the the losing of my friend was the wake up call. Wow. And I know it takes huge life events like that sometimes to really be the catalyst to make people take action. And it's amazing. Like, I'm glad you were able to do it after that and like experience things that your friend will never have the opportunity to experience. And so can you talk a little bit about traveling while experiencing grief? Oh man, it was, it was probably, I mean, if I'm being really honest, it was, it's the reason I'm still here on this walking on this planet. Like it really helped me heal. It helped me see my problems are self-inflicted, you know, not people who are struggling to put food on the table or have to resort to extreme measures to survive. I just really, it really put things into perspective for me really quickly. And it helped me to get out of my head and be in the present moment and get rid of all this internal overthinking. So traveling right while grieving, it's a very cyclical process. You can go up and down and mood swings very quickly. But every time I came home, it, I just noticed my heart and my head were a little clearer and a little lighter. And so uh, it was just very cathartic for me. Did you find that like every time you came home, like would you dip back into your old mindset of like, your own problems and things like that? Or are you able to think about your travels? I liked what you said about like, a lot of my problems are self inflicted. And it's not like the reality of what people are facing in the world. I've experienced that as well. And sometimes I find when I'm not present in like my travels and things like that, I resort back to my old ways. Can you talk about navigating that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I should clarify for you and the listener that once um, my friend left this earth and I bought my one-way ticket, so I like to refer to my travels as pre-big journey and big journey. And so when I sold everything I owned, bought the one-way flight, I had the intention of being gone for one full year. And that's what I did. I was gone for a full year. I made it for the, uh, I came home on day 365. I made it to six of the seven continents and 34 different countries. And so that's why I like to refer to it as pre big journey, you know, Ryan before then, and then Ryan now, because the Ryan, the the person I am before that big journey is not the same person that I am now after the bigger journey. So coming home is a very potent topic. So coming home, 
from that year around the world was very challenging. I think, again, it just comes back to my naivety and ignorance. I thought I would go see the world, come home and go back to a normal life. Oh, I was so wrong. Uh, You know, we just can't unsee the things we've seen. And I didn't realize how much I had changed until I got home. Like home was my mirror. You know, I was looking in the mirror of this, of my reflection, and I was not the same person. And it was reflected back to me in the conversations my friends and family were wanting to have versus the conversations I was wanting to have. The level of empathy for others they, my friends and family had, the level of empathy I had for others. So like I was just living in this dichotomous world when I came home. Like no one wanted to hear my stories. No one really cared. They just thought it was a vacation. They said, you know, welcome back to the real world. And so I started to dip back into this old mindset of like, oh man, like, uh, I, it, it was, I guess I, no, I guess I shouldn't say that actually. I guess I, it wasn't that I was dipping back into the old mindset is that I was grappling with how much I had changed and I felt bad. I think I felt guilty that I had changed and my friends hadn't. So there was this kind of guilt there, like, oh, and I just didn't resonate with my friends and family the same way I had before I left. And it was hard. It was deflating. It was isolating. And it's a potent topic, but I hope that helps kind of answer your question. Definitely. And I think it's something that like, I mean, nobody teaches you, but it is the reality, I think, for a lot of people who do end up traveling long term. Some people say reverse culture shock, but I think it's deeper than that. In terms of like, actually, people who don't travel don't care. And it's not that they don't care. They care about you, but they can't relate. So it's really difficult. They can't relate. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. They just couldn't relate. And it took me a little while to come to terms with that. It's not that they didn't care, not that they didn't want to care. It's that they just couldn't relate. Like, for the same reason I can't relate to having children, like most of my friends, they just couldn't relate to me traveling the world for a year and all the experiences that came with that, but it was hard. It it was isolating. And um, it's just, it took some time to accept and kind of embrace that, what I like to call an epic human experience. Totally. And so what steps did you take to be able to embrace that? You know, it took a lot of self-reflection, but it also took a lot of engaging with community in terms of people who could understand. So about eight to nine. And this is how I met Kayla, my now girlfriend and co-author of the book. So about eight to nine months of me being home from my big year journey, I was still struggling to reintegrate back into society, normal society and feel normal. And so I went on to Facebook groups and I typed in like Oklahoma travel groups or something of the the kind. So I wanted some in-person face-to-face conversations. And I typed my question and I just said, Hey, I just got back from my around the world i'm feeling you know x y and z has anyone experienced anything similar <laughs> and callie you wouldn't believe the response bless her heart probably a very nice one but one woman i got one response from a one woman who said oh my gosh i just spent one week in spain and i came home really sad you know let's connect i'm just like oh this is <laughs> not what i'm looking for <laughs> and so i was like oh man i'm gonna have to broaden my search a little bit so I went back to Facebook groups. I typed in like long-term travel, nomad, explore, something of the sort. 
copied and pasted the same exact question I posted into the Oklahoma group. I got an overwhelming response from my fellow nomads and explorers just saying, yes, like give yourself some grace. It is real. It is hard. Like let's connect. And it's like, that's what I was looking for. And so one, one guy in particular reached out, sent me a private message. We just started this constant contact, daily contact, and just talking about all these potent subjects, hard subjects that, you know, are polarizing and it can lead to, you know, conflict usually or sometimes. But we were just able to have these really powerful conversations. And he, after about a month, I don't know if he was just getting tired of me or what, but he just said, hey, I know this other girl you can have these same conversations with. Like, let me introduce you. And that's Kayla. So like, it was just community. It was just it was just finding people who had experienced something similar, who could relate, who could just say, hey, it's real. Like, your feelings are real. Wow. I love that so much. And so a couple of things. Meeting people on the internet is the way to do it, especially like as a traveler. You don't have to meet people in person. Yep. It's like you can make these connections. And two, like shout out to Kayla. She was on the podcast in season one, episode 27. So <laughs> if you want to catch her episode, check it out. Cool. And so let's go back to your big journey for a second. You traveled to a lot of places. How were you making the decisions on where to go at that time? Were you still using your cheap flight? Hacks <laughs> or whatever, or was it something else? I love this question. This is a really good question because it could have gone several different ways. But I, so I landed in Lisbon, Portugal. That was my first stop. I booked one week in a hostel. I didn't know, I had nothing else planned after that. So I was completely open to my entire journey besides that first week. That's how much I wanted to go into it with just an open itinerary. I didn't want to over plan everything. And so the way I was choosing to decide my next stop, uh, I based it on three things. So one was a reasonably reasonably priced uh, mode of transportation. Two was to a city I really wanted to visit. And three, I wanted to keep moving east around the world. So let's say I found a reasonably priced flight to and I found one to Dublin. I found one to Budapest. Well, Dublin, I wasn't really super interested in. And it's kind of, it was, it was more north of where I started in Lisbon. Budapest, I always wanted to visit. And it was moving east around the world. So if it kind of met this criteria of, hey, I really want to visit this place, reasonably priced flight, still moving east. So that's how I kind of, kind of um, decided on where to go next. Cool. I love that. And it keeps it super organized. You're moving in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm very guilty of like flying back and forth across the world and it's not logical at all. So <laughs> very nice. <laughs> and do you have a memorable story you can share with us from your big journey? Oh man, I have so many. Uh, so my, the most powerful moment on my journey was I was meandering around Rotorua, New Zealand. And Rotorua is famous for its geothermal pools. And it also has a very strong indigenous culture of, of uh, Mori tribe. It's a very strong Polynesian tribe of people who still live there and practice their traditional ways. And I had heard about the, the Mori haka dances that they offer in the area. And they're, they're expensive and they're heavily catered to tourists. And 
the guy at a hostel I spoke with said, yeah, it was fun, but you know, they're just, you know, just very touristy. You know, if you want to go, go, but like, I don't know. I, I don't really recommend it. And so I was okay. I'm just going to think about it. So I'm walking around the town, just thinking about it. Like, ah, oh, do I want to spend the money? Do I want to do this out of nowhere? I just stumble across this church on the lake. And I just noticed this group of people forming a line outside of the door. I stop and I just, I'm just taking it in. Like, oh, what is this? And I see a group of 20 Maori men dressed in all black off to the side. I could just tell something was about to happen. What is this? And all of a sudden, it's a funeral. It's a funeral procession. And pallbearers slowly, some music starts playing, some somber music. Some pallbearers start carrying the casket out of the church. Families uh, are crying. And the Maori men just start their, their haka dance. And it was so dang powerful that beating their chest, yelling at the top of their lungs, screaming words they couldn't understand. I'm just sitting here in absolute awe of this moment, this witnessing this funeral and this, this Mori, traditional Mori haka dance for this person who's passed away. And Callie, after it was over, I just sat down on the curb and started crying. That's how moved I was just by this moment and just how powerful it was for me to see just this this haka dance and them celebrating this life it really touched me in a powerful way wow that's really cool and i think it's like i mean you live in mexico now it's really cool to see in different cultures how they experience death and how they celebrate life and i think it can be like a really somber thing in the u.s but i love the different interpretations around the world that's really cool that you got to experience that so powerful Awesome. So at what point in your journey did you decide that you would write a book? Oh, man. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I, a book was never on my radar. I, I thought I was always good with the written word, but it came down to like emails and little blog posts. I never thought I could write a book. It was never a goal of mine when I set out on my journey. It was never something I thought about as a kid. But I came home from the big journey, the big year around the world, and I just realized I had so much more to say than most people wanted to hear. And for me, it truly started out as just this cathartic way to just process what I saw, what I experienced, how it impacted me. And I came home during the pandemic, right before the pandemic, months before. And so I had started putting my resume out there again and nothing was uh, coming to fruition with that. So I wasn't finding a job. So I was like, I'm just going to write. I'm just going to write and write and write. And after a year, I had a first draft and it was terrible. It was raw. There was no structure. It was just my authentic thoughts and feelings, but it was a legitimate first draft, 300 plus pages, 100,000 plus words. Again, I was still on the fence. Like, oh, do I turn this into something? Do I not? Well, Kayla and I had started dating around that time. We had moved to Mexico together. And she just encouraged me to meet with this editor. And just, she just said, Ryan, why don't you just meet with her? Why don't you just talk to her? So I did. <laughs> I knew within 10 minutes of talking to the editor that this woman knew her stuff. And if I was going to give her what I had, it needed to be drastically upgraded. So it took me about another month or so to maybe, I think a couple months to finally decide, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go all in on this. I have the first draft. Why not finish what I started? 
And so I did. And so it, again, for me, everything is kind of gradual with me. It takes me a, a while to like process things and actually come to firm decisions. But when I do, I'm all in. And so um, I just started honing that first draft into a second draft. The second turned into a third. The third turned into a fourth, which Kayla helped with. And then it finally, after a three-year process, came a, a finished product. But it truly just started from me wanting to process my feelings and emotions. That's really cool. And so I don't think we've even mentioned it yet, but what is the name of your book? <laughs> the name is Gravel Roads. So gravel is a play on words of grief and travel because that's how it started. Some grief with my bad breakup and the friend of mine passing away. And then just the travel that I obviously have experienced. So Gravel Roads is the name of the book. Love it. And I'm linking it in the show notes if you want to check it out. And along your travels, were you journaling or anything? Or when you started writing this first draft, was it all from memory? That's a really good question. So it was a little bit of both, but I did have a journal, thankfully, that I was very detailed with during my big journey. Uh, my, my family gifted it to me the, the week before I left, this really nice leather-bound journal. And I journaled every day what I saw, who I met what I did, it was, it was very, it was a very instrumental piece in allowing me to kind of reinsert myself back into those moments when I did write the book. So I could go back and, Oh, I did this. I remember that, you know, we kind of, I kind of forget the, the little minuscule details. So I did journal every day and it was instrumental in that first draft for sure. That's so cool. I, I wish I journaled. If you are going to travel, just write everything down. You'll thank yourself later, yeah. whether you want to write a yes. book or not. It's, those memories yes. are like invaluable. You can't remember everything. You can't. And what I wish I would have done. So the a lot of the reflections I learned came in the book writing process. What I wish I would have done more in my journaling is I wish I would have wrote more about like the reflections and the learning lessons in my journal, because I just kept the journaling very basic. You know, very basic what I did that day. But looking back, it would have made the book even easier. But like, oh, here's the reflections and the learning lessons. But it's it's not right or wrong. It's just I wish I would have been more, I wish I would have made more of an effort to focus the journaling on reflections as well as what I did. But it all worked out in the end. That's awesome. And solid advice. Just get it all on paper. Very cool. Yep. And so where do you think you'd be today if you didn't decide to travel? Oh man, Callie, I would, I mean, honestly, I think about this from time to time, but I would be living in Oklahoma city. I would have a normal nine to five job. I would absolutely be married. If not, probably if I'm just being honest on my second marriage, because most people, the, most people marry way too young and, it doesn't work out. I probably would be in my first or second marriage. I'd ha probably have a couple of kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good, fruitful life for, for a lot of people. But it just wasn't what I wanted deep down. And looking back, I think I wanted, thought I wanted that because all of my friends and family wanted were doing it. And so I thought I had to do that. But now that I'm living the life that feels the most in line with me. It's like, oh man, I really didn't want that. I didn't want a family and kids. I didn't want to get married that young. And so it really helped me 
the traveling really helped bring out the most authentic parts of me and what I really wanted. Because if I hadn't done that, I, I would be married with the two and a half kids and a white picket fence. Yeah. Wow. And maybe still thinking like, what if I did this instead? Absolutely. I'd still be doing the once a year, twice a year vacations to the resorts and the cruises. And I would think the world revolves around America and we're the greatest country in the world. And it would just be this complete, I'd be a completely different person. Wow. And so now you're in Mexico. Can you talk about your move there and how you guys decided on Sayulita? Yeah, of course. So Kayla and I, we met down in Mexico um, in 2020. And it was only, we were only supposed to be there for a couple months just to kind of decompress, uh, live and work in a place we really wanted to during the pandemic since we were on lockdown. We just ended up falling in love with this country, the people, the culture. It is so special and so misunderstood. And we we briefly went back to our parents' house and just we we very quickly decided on we need to get back down there. So how we did end up deciding on Sailita was we decided to do a six-month road trip because that's how long our visa lasts. We would do one month in six different locations. We would choose our favorite and at the end try and find a long-term lease in our favorite. And so that's exactly what we did. We did six different locations for six months. Sayulita was our, our number one. We approached the Airbnb host that we rented the, an apartment from for that month. And we just said, hey, would you be open to an offline long-term lease? He said, yes, we haven't left. We've been here for two years. That's so awesome. I still haven't been to Sayulita, but I want to. It uh, is on my list. And Oh, it's so special. I, Kayla, just, I can't remember if we had this, if we recorded this part of the conversation, or if she and I were just talking about it, but it sounded so cool, like the perfect way to choose a destination, like try it out and then yeah. make a decision. Absolutely. So what advice do you have for someone who might be interested in traveling, but they're like, I can't because I don't have time or money or my circumstances mm. or whatever. Mm. Yeah, this is very, this is very multifaceted question because you know travel does take time and money and circumstances so uh, I think the first thing is trying to change the mindset of that travel doesn't have to be expensive Um, and from my own perspective I used to think travel was reserved for rich wealthy individuals and it's just not the case especially nowadays with budget airlines and hostels and Travel just absolutely does not have to be expensive. I think Americans, not even Americans, most of the world has this mindset of, of, hey, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to go all out, the best hotel, the best restaurants. Just money doesn't matter on vacation. So we start to form this mindset of, of, well, someone who's traveling must be wealthy. But it absolutely doesn't have to be that way, Um, especially if you're open and flexible to going to those less popular destinations during non-peak or off-season times, you can find some really good deals. So that's the first thing I would say is changing the mindset around travel doesn't have to be expensive and be open to going to those less popular places. And then the second thing I would say is be open to going somewhere that challenges you and has the power to change you. And I say that because that was the most potent transformation for me. You know, 
certain places are popular for a reason. Yes, like Paris and Barcelona, they're popular for a reason. But you're not going to learn much about yourself standing in line at the Louvre with a thousand other tourists. So be open to going somewhere you've never heard of. Be open to going somewhere where you don't know the language or the religion or the culture. Still be willing to kind of push past your comfort zone a little bit because that is where the power of transformation really lies and where you'll really learn most, the most about yourself and the world. So those are the two things I would encourage people to consider when they don't think they can or certain things are hindering them. And when it comes to the safety of the world, I would just say, yes, bad people and bad things exist. It's real. It'd be naive to dismiss it, but the world is not as dangerous as a lot of people believe it to be. Common sense usually prevails. So if safety is the big fear, common sense prevails in most of those situations. And so just go into it with an open mind, an open heart, and, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Thank you. Love it. Solid, solid tips. Appreciate it. And so, Ryan, thank you so much for being here. It's been a wonderful conversation. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? Yeah, so I hang out. Uh, I have my website, ryancrane-author.com. That's just uh, where most of my book stuff is. At. And then I mainly hang out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Instagram handle is ryancrane underscore zero five. Those are the two main places you can find me at. Perfect. And it's all linked in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your wisdom and everyone else. I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for having me, Kelly. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, Come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.